The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast. And despite the set and what we normally talk about, and even Sam's dress today, we're not getting into the orange because it's a special episode where we are focusing on the Lemoyne Dolphins. Why is that important? Because the school that shares these city limits, that is a part of the fabric of CNY, well, they're going Division One, and, and technically they're a part of DeWitt too. They're, they're a little bit of everything, but ultimately Syracuse has another Division One team coming into the area starting this fall. It is a huge deal. Clap it up. Clap it up. Shout out Lemoyne. A lot went into it, and uh, and ultimately it's it's going to be the first step of of what is the next big stage. And um, in terms of athletics, they've been in Division Two. They actually had a few teams in D one decades ago. Um, ultimately, they've been in D two. Um, certainly, Division Two powerhouses almost across the board, especially in lacrosse. And why is it a big deal? It's a big deal because moving up to Division One. It gets them competing against the best schools. It gets them the opportunity to get television deals. It gives them the opportunity for their athletes to have more exposure to be making NIL money. It's so many things matter when it comes to Division One, and not only that, it draws in just your students that want to be a part of something bigger when it comes to an athletic program, and LeMoyne's taking this next step. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the entire thing collectively, there is no doubt that this is a good thing. It's a yeah. good thing for the school. It's a good thing for our area. Syracuse is an area, or really upstate New York is an area that has a lot of really good schools. Right. You know, you think about Colgate, you think about Oswego, Syracuse, and Lemoyne, and all these schools. It's a good thing for the community, for the student athletes that are there, and the students. And I see why they, they made this decision overall. I really can't think of a reason why you would not make the jump to D1. And I think that Lemoyne has always, in many ways, been on par with a lot of Division One schools already as it is, the level that they're competing at and um, just the level of excellence that they have overall as a school. And, you know, you and I were lucky enough today to attend that really ultimately a celebration where they discussed everything that's going to be happening moving forward. And you could hear the excitement in President Linda Lemura. Is it Lemura? Yeah, Linda Lemura. Linda, Linda Lemura. It's a tougher one to say. Linda Lemura. Yeah. Electric speaker, oh, by the time. way. Fins up. Fins up. up. And, and you, you could hear the excitement that, that she had and, and that everybody had there for, for this jump. Big time. And by the way, I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Cross. And if you're just tuning into our show, we have Rachel Culver on the producer mic. And again, this is, I think, just a very special episode. I'm happy to be tackling into this because there are multiple moving pieces that are a part of an ultimately a bigger story happening in college athletics, which is this four-year transition rule. So again, this team is going to be moving into Division One starting in the fall of 2023. It's happening immediately. It's going to be awesome. They're going into the Northeast Conference. So it's the NEC. They'll be playing schools like Mary Mack, Stony Brook, Wagner, LIU, uh, FDU, Sacred Heart. So, and, and a few of the schools, including Mary Mac, that have made that transition recently from Division Two to Division One. And 
a part of the NCAA rule for this transition, the reclassification, is teams are not allowed to compete. They are ineligible to compete in postseason NCAAs, tournaments, championships, you name it, for four years. They're also not allowed to compete in the conference championships for two years. And it's the biggest question because the answer is, the question is why? And as much as you dig, you can't find a good reason. The NCAA says it's to ensure that they meet the qualifications that come with going to Division One. which from that standpoint, absolutely. You know, their, their, their facilities may need to maintain a certain level, have a certain, you know, a, you have to have stuff in place that makes it a Division One facility. LeMoyne said today they have all of that. So why this needs this four years, I'm going to let Sam, I'm going to let Rachel, I'm going to let people sound off on on uh, on what is this big discussion today. Okay. This is what I think. The only thing that I could possibly understand, and I've thought about this a lot, as to why, what is the real reason that this is going on, is because perhaps if the NCAA is trying to honestly make it a little bit harder for teams to make that transition to D1 because there are already over 300 teams. And quite honestly, maybe Division One would be a little bit better and more structured if there was like 80 or so less teams than there already is right now. That's really the only reason that makes sense to me because, and I've thought about this a lot, as you said, the NCAA statement says, the resulting structure will ensure that reclassifying memberships Members are committed to the D1 philosophy and operating principles. That was a statement from 2011. In addition, this legislation will increase the likelihood that such institutions will operate as successful competitive programs at the D1 level. Me personally, I do not buy it. First of all, I want to say I think sense. that this rule is the worst. <laughs> I think it's absolutely absurd. But this is why I don't buy it. And this is why I disagree. Because if that's really what it is, it's about protecting the student athletes and making sure they're ready to compete at the highest level. Then how do you explain this? Example, Merrimack, you already brought this up. 2020. The Warriors have been the shock of small conference basketball, an article reads. They are 19 and 11, the best team in the Northeast Conference, which is where LeMoyne is moving, by the way, and have set the record for the most wins by a first-year D1 team. You read that right. No school in the history of Division I has won more games in its first year of competition than these Merrimack Warriors, won the outright NEC regular season title. This men's basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not get to compete in the conference championship. There are other solutions to this issue. That, that was a team in their first year that was more than ready. First of all, I think you should always be allowed to compete in the conference championships at the very least. That is the most absurd part of all. And there are other schools like Bellarmine, like Lindenwood, who were able to do that the whole time. So that varies conference to conference. And I think if LeMoyne's gonna chase after one thing and one part of this rule, that's the part that you should look into immediately right away. Can I add to that with yes. the Merrimack thing? Because Merrimack just beat FDU this past spring in their conference championship. They won. Fairleigh Dickinson went on to beat Purdue. They ended up being the Cinderella. They took the spot that Merrimack earned, Merrimack, Merrimack, earned because of this rule. So they not only got basically out of a conference championship, but it's, it's NCAAs as well. Secondly, secondly, for the NCAA tournament and that situation, two years at most. Come on. I don't think you need I don't four think you years, need two. I don't I, think you need it at all. But especially four years, that is someone's whole 
college career. Yeah. You're talking about a freshman who commits to Lemoyne, who's so excited to play, and everybody can say what they want and be glass half full until the cows come home. This is ridiculous. You can say that you're always going out there to play, that you're always going out there to compete for something, for the individual effort, for the team as a collective unit, for each other. Okay. But you're also going to places like Lemoyne, especially some of these programs like men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, because you know the reputation they have and you want to chase a championship. This is people's livelihood. This is moments that they remember for the rest of their lives is having that championship, is having that ring, and is having that accomplishment that you chase with a bunch of people who you deeply care about. And the NCAA wants to take it away. I ask the group, for what? For what? I, Rachel. I got, I got something to say on this. I think this just goes back to the underlying theme of the NCAA, which seems to be an inability to adapt. Mm. I think that, I mean, you can, you can draw that claim from so many different things, but the product that they are putting on courts, on fields, on televisions across the country is not the same product that was being made when these rules were created. And the amount of just attention and revenue that these sports and these athletes bring in for colleges is just on a completely different playing field. And it just goes back to all the controversy and all the issues that so many people have reoccurring with the NCAA. Why do you think there is that failure to adapt? Is it a power thing? What, what, what do you make of it? I think a lot of issues are drawn from this whole concept of amateurism. Mm. I think the amount that they kind of call back on amateurism as like their falling point and like what they ground themselves in is pretty pathetic, <laughs> honestly, because you look at these kids and you look at what they're doing and the passion that they're putting into it. And like Sam said, this is a livelihood like this is like your student athlete. Yes. But like they always say that like athletes die twice, right? Like when you finish your sport, when you're no longer able to play that sport, that is in a certain seth, a certain sense, like a death. Like that's losing a whole part of you that you'll never get back, right? And I think that obviously I don't think the four years is necessary and I think we all agree on that, but I just think it's gonna take colleges like Lemoyne, colleges like Merrimack, that prove them wrong consistently that like this is no longer viable in today's game. Mm -hmm. I think it's, that's what it's going to take to kind of bring about change. And we have seen change from the NCAA, right? With the transfer portal, with all these things, it's not impossible. It's just, it's just time to kind of adapt. Right. <laughs> and we've seen some bigger institutions like James Madison was in a big fight last year um, and, and actively still is because of their move from FBS to FCS with football and not being able to compete in bowl games. And so that was this big fight last summer, right? And so the NCAA actually reviewed this and went over and ultimately said, no, we still want to hold on to this because if I'm not mistaking, mistaken, their, their point of emphasis as to why not was because almost like it wouldn't be fair for the other schools that have like already going that are already going through this process which to me if that's your mindset you're not getting anything done also when you talk about this in in uh Linda Lemira had an awesome 
quote for it. She called Linda. it quote draconian rules, which uh, old school term of excessively harsh and severe and just very much outdated. Um, Bob Beretta, the AD, gave us a lot of uh, athletic director, gave us a lot of good quotes on that as well, where obviously he's like, we're towing the line where we are going to respect it and we are going to prepare and do what we can in these four years. But ultimately, we would love to see in this four-year span this role to change because, again, to give them time to meet the qualifications, that mindset, as we were discussing in our newsroom meeting this afternoon, how that applies to only the postseason doesn't make any sense to me. If that's your mindset, wipe out the whole year. Don't let them play for four years then. Makes no sense at all. It's insane. It's mm -hmm. literally insane. And let me just say, I think LeMoyne should go D1. I think it's great for the school, great for the area, and in the long term, great for the student-athletes. Right. But in the short term, this rule is horrible. Linda knows it. Bob knows it. We know it. And I really challenge people to look at some of these rules that are in place and, and think and at least consider and see, is there anything that can be done about this? That's what I'm going to be thinking about in the ways that I'm covering and reporting in the future. You would think that these rules are set in stone and they can't change, but actually they can. And if enough people bring it to their attention and say, this is insane, this is not really working in the current landscape, then sometimes the rules can be changed or overturned in this world. That's just the way that the world works. So Sam and I had kind of talked about this yesterday. Like one thing that I have considered in a sense of like why this is a rule and why the NCAA does have this in place for four years until NCAA tournament play or two years until conference championship play right. is almost as a way to consider um, the teams that have already paid that price and kind of reward them in a sense. And like these, this team that is coming in, yes, obviously they have determined that and proved that they are ready to play at this level, but there's a whole facet of teams that have already done that. And I don't know. It's just something in interesting to consider, I think. I think there's so many examples in real life of of this, right? Of Like of, what? Of rules that are bad that need to be changed, but people saying, well, they went through this, so this, like... A, a good ex like I mean I'm trying to think of some examples that I that I am allowed. I'm to, thinking of like politics. I, I'm, right I'm now. thinking a lot of politics stuff. I'm thinking of. Um, there's so many examples I can give right now. I'm trying to give the ones that I'm allowed to give. Um, I understand your point exactly, though. Yeah, e like even if the example if, doesn't if, come to mind. If it what it, it's kind of like well it wasn't you know, here's here's a good example like hazing in Greek life right. It continues to be passed down in certain, and I'm not saying in, in general, but I know in certain aspects of Greek life that, and, and just from like friends that ha that I know went through it, is it's like, well, my big treated me this way, so I'm going to treat my little like this, and so on and so on. And it's almost passed down because it's like, I went through that crap. A cycle of toxicity. Mm, I feel you yeah. on that 100%. And even today... I don't know why this stuck out to me, but when Linda Lemura was nice, up there perfect. speaking, she was thanking somebody, a coworker, and she said, thank you for seeing sports for what it is, a beautiful microcosm of life. And I do feel like that is sort of what's going on right now. Sometimes you really have to look at sports in the context of 
life and these decisions that we're making, yeah. how is that really impacting the individual, the student athlete? I'm sure it's harder said than done, but if I was one of these decision makers in this big organization like the NCAA, I'd always be thinking in my mind, how can I make decisions that are truly and honestly going to center around the individual student athlete experience? And that's the, and that's the thing, because that's what they preach. Right. That's what they preach. And that's even what the reasoning that they give for this is. And that's the thing I don't believe. I would almost rather them just come out and say whatever it is that this reason was actually created for. Because to say it's to, it's to better the student-athlete experience, I just don't buy it when there are programs that in their first year as a Division One program are shocking the world and ending up at the top of their conference. Why should they not be rewarded? I just can't think of even one single reason not logical and i do want to just open it up to you guys so sam played lacrosse at colgate a small division one school similar to the size i'm guessing of what we will be seeing with you know lemoyne you know starting their division one journey and then rachel i know you went to emerson college in massachusetts and so it's almost like sam you you have experienced the small division one school and what athletics means to that campus and rachel i want you to put it into your head of how you think Emerson, should they ever go to become a, you know, a division one school, how you think that would impact not only the way the campus perceives it, but just your student experience, um, you know, as a, as a fan. Yeah. So I guess I, I never mean, directed who would go first there. Let's go with Rachel. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Emerson, it's interesting to consider because it's a school that definitely, in a lot of ways, does put sports on the back burner. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's a huge priority, and it's it's hard to make it so just because of, like, the location and kind of situation of the school. We're in downtown Boston. Like, our baseball team has to travel an hour to get to their home field. Like, it's 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 a difficult situation. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's a little untraditional in that sense. But one thing I do want to point out is in my senior year when I was at Emerson – um, I followed our boys' basketball team very closely. <coughs> I worked with them, did social media, that sort of thing. Um, we went to Merrimack, and we played Merrimack um, early in the season, like before conference play, and that must have been 2021. So they would have been in that process of kind of transitioning to D – well, not transitioning in D1, but not being able to qualify for postseason yeah. play. But let me tell you, they were an impressive, impressive team to watch. Like, we had a good team that year. We had a very good team. We went to the tournament. We played in the tournament. But they blew us out. Like, it was – and you could tell that the whole fan base at that college was, like, dialed in to the D1 atmosphere and what it means to be D1. And especially, as you were saying earlier, with – FDU and how they beat FDU in their um, conference tournament. Like right. it's just it, it is crazy to have a school experience such highs throughout a season and have a team bring so much pride to an entire campus community and then just kind of like be like, okay, see you next year. Like that's just unfortunately what it was. But anyways, back to Emerson. <laughs> I think that if we were to ever go through that transition, um, I don't know. I, I think the first thing my head goes is to recruiting. Like, how right. do you recruit students? I mean, obviously you have the players that you would r normally recruit to that D3 level. But if you're trying to compete at the D1 level, how are you going to secure D1 prospects? 
when mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we, we only have this much time that we can actually play. And in your next four years, you're probably never going to be able to see postseason play. But, like, everything else is going to be great. Like, that's just so hard. That's so difficult, and that's so unfair. It is. It's, it's hard, and, and I think it comes down to what can this do for me? Especially because I think once you are in Division One, right, I think there's every – most players, most athletes that go in, um, especially in, in basketball on the women's and men's side, I think they're thinking in the back of their head, can I turn this into something where I'm making this my job? Can I make this my job after school? And I think from a basketball perspective, I think you're looking at that jump to D1 regardless of that four-year nonsense and saying – this is a better situation for me now because I'm playing against better competition because my brand and my exposure is getting out there more for the other students. I think it's ultimately and based on the freshmen that we spoke with um, on campus, Sam, it feels like it's a, this stinks, but we're banking on this to change in this next four years, which I absolutely think it can happen. And granted, let's also point out that, all of the Lemoyne student athletes, the Lemoyne coaches, were very positive about this today. Really had a glass half full mindset about the entire situation. And when you were saying earlier, just to reflect back on what was my collegiate experience like and how would this have impacted me or that kind of thing. Obviously, Colgate is D one, but yeah. still, just to think about it, because you were in that experience. I think I think everybody could be glass half full about the situation. Like I could look back on everything that I did in those four years and tell you that that one of the best parts was overcoming hardship, that one of the best parts was having 26 new sisters that are younger when I've never had younger sisters before. I could tell you that one of the best parts was the mentorship and being a captain and becoming a leader and all of the extracurriculars that I got exposed to and all of those things, and it would all be true. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I was playing for more out there and the wins and losses do count for something. And the moments and the ways that you feel after those playoff wins mean something to me. Even still now I can think back and remember some of these playoff games where we weren't expected to win, but we did. And the feeling of a high stakes environment and the feeling of being rewarded when you worked really hard for the whole year. So it's not that I couldn't be glass half full about the situation. And I know based on those Lemoyne student athletes and the culture that they've built there that they really will look at this through the most positive possible of lenses. But I just feel like our job as like journalists and commentators and broadcasters is to just look at this for what it is and look at the truth of this situation, which is that this sucks. So that's kind of where I stand. Pin it, pin it right there. Mic drop. Yeah. Mic drop. Honestly, I think that keeps it in short, but that part stinks. This long-term big story as a whole is great. It's fantastic, and again, I think that's what we have to focus on at the end of the day, but it is our responsibility to stay with this story, and we will, and we're going to be putting pressure and and really asking these questions because at the end of the day, if those questions aren't being asked, if it's not being put in the news, this is our job to point out something that is, you know, like you can't help but put bias into it because they're not giving us any logical reason. There's no logic behind it. And when there's no logic behind it, I'm okay with coming out and saying and putting an opinion in there saying 
this needs to change. And just so folks who are listening know, we have already inquired. I submitted a form yesterday to the NCAA right. asking if we can have an interview to discuss this further. So hopefully sometime in the near future we do have some more answers. And if we do, we'll share that on the next podcast. Big time. Yeah, so this is not done. Put a pin in it. We're coming back to it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and also leave us some comments on this. I know this is something that a lot of people um, ha have something to say about, understandably so. We clearly just did. We shared it. We want you to share that with us. So comment on this story on YouTube if you're watching, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, we're the Orange Zone. Tommy Slade, X, Samantha Cross, and Rachel Culver. Peace. We're out of here. See ya.